Now, as most of you know, we have been, we started a series at the beginning of this year, Gospel Foundations, I'm calling it. We're going to work our way through the Gospels of the Bible, beginning with the book of John. Um, so we're going to continue to that today. We have made it through chapter 1, verse 13. There's a lot packed into this first chapter of John. So we're going to start today, we're going to start out just reading from chapter 1 in John, verse 14. So if you have a Bible with you, or if you want to grab one near you, why don't you open up to John, chapter 1. We'll take a look at this together. And as you're opening up to that, let me just recap a little bit. So far, John has established that Jesus... The Word of God has been existence from the very beginning of time. He created all things. Everything in existence exists because of Jesus. Jesus gives life and light to mankind, and he continues to shine that light in the darkness of our sins. And he has given us, every person, all of mankind, the opportunity to become children of God if we recognize him and receive him as the true light of God. Just some amazing things to consider that. And if you want to dig into those things a little bit more, I encourage you to check out our sermon series online and catch up. But let's read the next couple of verses, starting in verse 14 for today. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And I want to just pause there for a moment and comment on a couple of things here. At this point in John's narrative, he's, he's making a transition. Up to this point, he's been telling us about the eternal word of God, the infinite Christ, and the effect that he has on this world and, the, and what a difference it can make to know him. He's opening our eyes to understanding that Jesus is not just some man. He is God himself. Now he's transitioning in verse 14 to the here and now, to the word made flesh. At this moment in time, after Jesus came, God was now contained within the world. If you can imagine that, this infinite, powerful, almighty, greater than all things, bigger than the universe, God contained himself into human form. And his presence is rooted in history and bound up within human flesh. He is present and known in ways that we know each other, not just a far-removed deity. And when John says, we have seen his glory, he's not just making a spiritual metaphor of somehow we have encountered the glory of God. He is saying, we have seen this with our own eyes right in front of us. This is a statement about his experience, a historical fact that Jesus came and showed his glory to those who witnessed it. And this is a really important part of understanding the gospel as a whole, that the eternal, all-powerful God, creator of life, came to live among us. And not only that, he became like one of us. This is a distinction that John actually makes in the way he wrote these words here. Now, if you look at the original Greek, you find that, that when, when he writes um, that Jesus, the word became flesh. There's a word he used there that's, that's um, pronounced sarks. And he used sarks instead of using words like soma or anthropos, 
which all could be used to mean body. And I was thinking about this. This isn't just something about, hey, buddy, good to see you. This isn't something just distinct to Greek, that there's all these words that you could use interchangeably. This is common to all languages. And I was trying to think of a, an English example of this. And what I came up with is the wor- words like storm and squall and typhoon and things like that, those are all words that refer to different types of weather conditions, right? But we use them to mean slightly different things. And that's what John was doing here in the words that he used when he chose the word sarks. Because that word refers to the whole living being rather than just the physical body or uh, a person as a, as, a, as a physical presence. And so what he's saying here is that the word of God became fully human with all of mankind's strengths and weaknesses. He's not just a divine being who took on the appearance of a man. No, he became a man. He could struggle. He could be tempted. He could suffer. He had a heart that beat in his chest. He could bleed. His muscles would ache when he worked hard. He had all the range of emotions that we experience. He was fully human. And there's something very significant about that that John was communicating to us. This by itself says a lot about who God is, which is something we're going to dig into a little bit more as we read on this morning. Let's continue on. We're going to read verses 15 and 16 next. Recapping 15, John testifies concerning him. He who cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing, one blessing after another. And I want to pause there because different translations say this last part a little bit differently. This says one blessing after another. Some will say grace on grace, grace in place of grace. And it can get a little bit confusing. What is, Paul, what is John saying here? And really, he's just emphasizing that Jesus came with grace upon grace upon grace. He just kept pouring grace on top of us. Let's read verse 17 then. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is something we'll get more into as we go through the Gospels. Grace has come through Jesus to redeem all of mankind, to, to forgive us of the guilt of our sin and bring us into a relationship with the Lord, restore the separation that, that sin has caused and that the law revealed in us. Then we get to verse 18 is where I really want to focus our attention today. You doing okay? Okay. Let me know if you need anything, okay? Or if you want to sit with Wendy and she can help you read it too, okay? All right, that's all right. Just checking. Let's read verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son who is at the Father's side, has made him known. There's something really valuable in just that statement for us to consider. And you can see it throughout everything that we've talked about so far about Jesus coming in the flesh. There is one sense in which Jesus made God known as a, in a sense of proclaiming him. He came into the world, he went around and preached about the kingdom of God. He told people who God was and what, what he wants from us. But John is saying something different here. 
He says, nobody has ever seen God before. And now Jesus has come. And Jesus is the son of God. He is God himself. He is the closest thing ever to God. And he has made God known to us. So up to the point when Jesus came into the world, no one, no one in history had ever actually seen God. God is spirit. God does not have a physical form. So think about that. Think of the old, what do you know from the Old Testament about how God made himself known to people? What, are, what kind of images come to mind or what kind of examples come to mind? Did somebody say something? A burning bush, yeah, that's, a, that's one common one. A voice from a mountain, a from a mountain. yeah. A pillar of fire. A pillar of fire. Yeah. Go ahead. An angel of the Lord. He often sent messengers of the Lord, right? Which I, I, I always love when, I, when we talk about angels, this is the first thing that comes to mind. Do you know what the first thing every angel ever says to a human being? Fear not. Fear not. Which tells me that was a pretty fearful-looking creature, <laughs> right? Our image of angels that look like these human beings, lovely human beings with wings and white clothing, probably not what those people saw. <laughs> Read through Ezekiel and see what he saw. Anyway, messengers of God, like angels. What were you saying? Was there another one? Yeah, pillar of fire, pillar of cloud. These are the ways that God made himself known. How about, have, were you aware of this one? A disembodied hand? That's in the book of Daniel, Daniel 5. A disembodied hand came and wrote on the wall during a banquet the king was having, and it took Daniel to interpret this message from the Lord to King Nebuchadnezzar. His knees, I might think my knees would shake if I saw that, <laughs> right? These are the things that people of the Old Testament, before Christ came, this is how they envisioned God. This is what they knew of him. Many different ways that he made himself known. And consider this, all of those examples that we gave, those are things that we know from the Bible which are primarily God's encounters with the Israelites, with Abraham and his descendants. What other encounters did people of the earth have that we just don't know about? Right? There's a lot of history. Even if God primarily showed himself to the Israelites once he chose them, there's a lot of history before that between Adam and Eve and Abraham where God was known to people. In fact, I, when I, one of the things I love about religious history of the world is understanding that there was a time when all human beings understood who God was. They had the light of the Lord within them. And as we drifted away from the Lord, our, our knowledge of him became diminished and clouded and changed. But it, it makes you think that all the different creation stories that people have, all the different pantheons of God that they came up with, those are twisted versions of the original knowledge that mankind had of God and what kind of encounters did they have of God that led them to develop those ideas, right? But God was known not as a person, but as all these different things. That's the main point here. If you just focus on what we learn of God from his interactions with people in the Old Testament, 
What does our image of God look like? What do we know of God? We know of him as creator. We know of him as a, a judge, bringing justice, establishing law, right? We know of him as powerful and majestic. The example Wendy gave of the voice from the mountain, um, I think about the encounter in the desert, and I think that's what you're talking about, right? When, when God brought the Israelites into the desert and he was going to speak to the Israelites, he told Moses, bring all the people to the mountain and make them ready, prepare them, because they need to be prepared for who I am. I'm coming. And, he sp- and the people were too afraid. They're like, no way. I do not want to be in the presence of the Lord. This is too scary. With his first utterance. Right. And that's why it was only Moses from that point on who went up to the mountain and who brought the law down because the people were too scared. And so you can, you can see how there's this scary image of God that develops when you don't know him in person. Now, the Bible reveals lots of other things about God's character just from the Old Testament. He's patient. He's forgiving. He expresses love for his people. All of that's there. But when Jesus comes and people experience him in the flesh, you get to know God in a whole new way, don't you? Before Jesus came, God would always be known as some distant and far-off God, no matter how much we understood his character. There's no way to really connect with him personally. But go back to John, 18, John 1, 18 again. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And that's part of what Jesus came to do, just to make God truly known. The Word of God, Jesus, became flesh. He is himself God, as it is the closest relationship possible with the Father. He perfectly demonstrates the nature and the character, the personality of God, and he's made him known to us. And even though we don't see Jesus today in the flesh, have you ever considered how privileged we are today that he came into the world and how much he tells us about who God is? Before Jesus came, people could not know God the way that we know him today. We, can't, we know God on a more personal level. We understand more about his compassion, his love for all people, his unending grace, his sacrificial love. We know about his willingness to humble himself for mankind's sake. I probably had this in mind as we were singing this morning. One of the, one of the phrases in one of the songs we this morning said that, uh, I can't remember exactly how it, was, how it was, but it was said that if I was the only one for whom you came, you'd still do it. That's how much God loves us. That the word of God, the infinite powerful word of God would actually humble himself to become a weak human being and then give up his life for us. There's something that Jesus in the flesh shows us about that. We know what Jesus did when he was on the earth. He went around healing people of all kinds of sicknesses. He was known as a guy who would go have meals with sinners. And he was actually condemned for that by 
some of the, the religious leaders. We know he showed compassion for a woman who was caught in adultery. She clearly was sinful, and yet he cared about her. He offered hope to a Samaritan woman who was an outcast of her community. He cast out demons. He welcomed all the children to come to him. All these things we learn about God because Jesus came in the flesh. These interactions tell us more about God than we can possibly understand when we can't see him. We can't experience him personally. Yes, I agree. Thank you, love. (laughs) God does not ever change in who he is. He is the same person throughout the entire Bible. And I don't know if, if you've experienced this or if you've heard it from many other people. There's this idea that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. And it's just not true. We just have a hard time seeing it until Jesus comes along. And that's one of the, the great things about Jesus coming in the flesh. He exposed us in a new way to the side of who God is that it can be hard to see when we don't see him in, the, in person. And it's great to discover that this is who God is and this is who God has always been. In coming in the flesh, Jesus shows us that God truly wants to be known by us. He wants to make himself available to us and and, and invite us to know him as he is. And he wants us to draw near to him and to know him. So the coming of Jesus in the flesh is an invitation to know God to know our creator, to know the Lord above all lords. And God has done his part now to make himself available to us. And we need to do our part to seek him out. That's where I want to challenge us this morning, is how are we doing in seeking out the Lord and really getting to know him? Understanding who he is and how he's made himself available to us. This is one of the most wonderful gifts we've been given, an opportunity to know the Lord as he truly is. We don't want to just depend on hearsay and myth. We don't want to depend on our own interpretations of our experiences or the experience of others. We want to know him in the way he's, he truly is. And so we need to study his word with an intention of learning who he is. Study who Jesus is, what he was like, what kind of person was he. And then don't just stop there. Study the Old Testament and learn who God is as revealed in the Old Testament and combine those two things together, understanding this is one God who's always consistent. And as you get to know him, receive him more and more into your daily life because that's, that's where he wants to connect with us. In our daily life, don't let this gift of personal knowledge of the Lord just be a, a sometimes thing where you think about it here and there. No, he has exposed himself to us, shown himself clearly to us, and offers himself day after day. Let's take advantage of that. God has come near to us to be known and to be loved, to live life with us. And to provide us with a life that's far more fulfilling than anything we can accomplish without him. Let's embrace this gift of a personal knowledge of God and give thanks that he cares to know us 
to draw close to us. We have personal access to him because of Jesus. He gives us his spirit to dwell within us, to guide us, to teach us, to open our hearts and our minds to him. When we have received that gift of redemption and new life through Christ. As I've said a couple of times, we often think of the gospel as this, this moment of forgiveness that God gives us. That he makes us new because Jesus died for our sin and we're now we're forgiven. And we're like, it's so much more than that. That step of being forgiven is just the, the entry point into a whole new life with the Lord that he has made possible. Let's draw close to him. Remember who he is and build the kind of relationship he provides for us. I encourage you to take time out each day to connect with him. If you're not already at that level, just take some time out to connect with him. Quietly sharing with him, listening to him, developing habits of having ongoing conversation with him. And as you continue to develop that, you find that you're seeking him more and more every day. You're aware of his presence more and more in every moment. And you continue to build that closeness and you come to know him as he truly is. Let's take advantage of this gift that Jesus has given to know the Lord. Let's pray and give thanks to God that he has made himself available to us. And then we'll sing our closing song together with thanks and praise to him. Lord God, we do thank you for coming near to us. We thank you for the way you've exposed yourself to us throughout your entire word, the way you've made yourself known to us through Jesus, Lord. And I pray that you would work within each and every one of us to, to teach us who you truly are. Teach us the love that you have for us. Teach us the, the desire you have for us, the life that you want us to live and why you want us to live that way, Lord. Each one of us has so much to learn, Lord, no matter how far we are on this journey with you. I pray that you help us all to seek you, to give us that, that, that passion and desire to truly know you. And as we know you, Lord, I thank you in advance for the ways that you enrich our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.